0: So as we come to Psalm 124, we come to another song that the Israelite people sang on their a- annual trips to the city of Jerusalem. Um, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are all songs that the Israelites sang as they traveled uh, up the roads to Jerusalem. That's why they're called the Songs of Ascent. Uh, these songs provided encouragement to God's people. Um, and while none of us have to travel to Jerusalem anymore, we can still, as God's people, draw encouragement from them from a song written long ago. So let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 124. Um, If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 517. Um, But before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, We thank you uh, that you're here with us. Uh, I pray that you would be with our hearts and our minds as we hear your word, um, to hear what you have to say, um, that we might be encouraged, that we might be challenged um, to live as you call us to live. So in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So a couple weeks ago, I went on a bachelor party weekend trip uh, to uh, Lake Michigan. I was at an Airbnb, um, and at this uh, bachelor party uh, we ended up playing a bunch of yard games. Uh, one of those yard games that we ended up playing was a game called Kube. Um And if you are not familiar with that game, uh, it's basically a more complicated version of cornhole. Uh, you have to throw wooden blocks at other blocks, um, and you have to do that faster than the other team. And based on how the game goes, the, the throwing distances between the blocks and how the amount of blocks that you have to knock down, they change throughout the game. Um, And for me, I've actually played the game before, so it's actually not too hard. Um, But unfortunately for me, I was fresh off my injury to my collarbone. Um, So I was in a sling, and I'm not left-handed, so throwing uh, accurately with my left hand was not going to be a thing. Uh, And everyone knew it because when it came time to pick sides, I was (laughs) the last one to be picked. Uh, Even for a silly yard game, no one wanted me on their side. And it makes a lot of sense, right? You're right? I had no confidence in my left arm, and no one had confidence in my left arm as well. Um, and it's not a good feeling, right? If you're a competitive person like me, you don't want to be picked last. Uh, you don't want others to, have, uh, to lack confidence in you. Now, I got all that from a silly yard game. But I think all of us can relate to two things here with this story. First is that experience of never wanting to be picked last. Second is that feeling of lacking confidence. And I think those two things, whether we know it or not, are things that we are constantly trying to avoid in life. No one wants to be last, to look like they're behind in life, or to look like they don't know what they're doing. Some of us vow to never feel that by building our life resumes to looking powerful, to looking invulnerable. Life's dangerous, but you tell yourself, I can still conquer it that i got to overcome these obstacles that life throws at you. Others, others of us vow to never feel that by hiding at all costs, to never put ourselves in dangerous positions. We tell ourselves, don't venture out, that we just got to survive life. But at the end of the day, both groups of people, I think, are deathly afraid of being on the wrong side and being found out for who they truly are, which is not confident people. And to those people, to those of us who are here, to even me, God has something to say. That the way to having confidence, to the way to being on the right side, it's not the path that we tend to think it takes. In Psalm 124, the people of Israel sing a song taken from King David that shows us the path towards confidence and being on the right side. So as we look at this psalm together, we're gonna be seeing three things. First, is that God is on our side. Second, uh, we are on each other's side. And third, Jesus is on our side. So let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 124. Uh, Please join me in reading uh, verse one. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, When people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, if you remember uh, a couple weeks ago, our our youth pastor, Zach, preached a sermon on Psalm 121. Um, And you might have recognized a similar theme with our psalm today. Uh, Even the ESV, which is the the version that is in our pew Bibles, it recognizes those similarities. It actually gives them uh, similar titles. So if you look at Psalm 121, uh, it gives the title, My Help Comes from the Lord. Uh, but in Psalm 124, it's a different title, but very similar. My help is in the name of the Lord. So while similar, I, what today I actually want to focus on a key difference between the two songs. Um, if you look at Psalm 121, the lyrics are propositions or declarations about God. It's a song for the Israelites to sing about who God is and what he's like, and that's the reason why we can actually ask him for help. But if you look at Psalm 124, the lyrics are about what God has done in the past for King David and for his people. It's a song about experiencing the help of God. It's not primarily about the truths of God, but it's how these truths have actually worked out in King David's life in the lives of his fellow Israelites. Psalm 124 is a song forged by personal experience. A song forged by uh, in the midst of dire circumstances. Now I think it's a subtle difference, uh, but I, I think it's important to the goal of this song because the first thing that God's people personally experience is that God is on their side. So look with me at verse one and two, the Israelites tell us what they're going to sing about. They sing, if it had not been the Lord uh, the Lord who was on our side. Now, how the King David and the Israelites know that the God is on their side is because of what they sing about uh, when it comes to what they, God saved them from. So look with me at verses 2 through 5. The song names what was going on and gives vivid imagery to what that felt like. So what's going on is when people rose up against us, so there's a group of people against them, we would have been swallowed up, a flood would have swept us away, a torrent and raging waters would have gone over us. So you see here, the imagery is very powerful. It will lose the reality that the people of Israel were at the brink of destruction and death. The Hebrew words for uh, flood, torrent, and raging waters actually increase in intensity. So if you look in the Hebrew, um, you can actually see better that as the song goes on, the situation gets worse and worse. Now we aren't sure who these particular people King David is talking about here. Um, It could have been the Philistines or any other hostile enemies that were threatening their existence. Um, But regardless of who they were, King David and his people had their backs against the wall. They knew the deck was stacked against them. They probably felt weak and incapable. It's probably safe to say that they did not feel confident. They didn't have confidence in themselves. But I think it's precisely in that spot, precisely in that spot that they found out that God was on their side. God saves them. Look with me at verses 6 through 8. They give God praise because when all else was lost, he helped them escape. They say, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped. So when Israel were at the end of themselves, they saw God. Through their dire circumstances, they realized that God was on their side. So while suffering um, is a terrible reality in this world, right? The Israelites were experiencing that. It's a terrible reality. Um, Suffering actually has the amazing power to reveal something to us. Um, And one of those things is actually who is actually on your side. Uh, In times of deep trouble you find out who actually loves you, wants to be with you, who actually wants to help you in any way possible. Um, I saw a good example of this last month during my month of June. I I had some off time, so I decided to ask some people to help me make a list of some movies that everyone should watch in their lifetime. Um, And one of those movies was Forrest Gump. Um, And believe it or not, I've never seen Forrest Gump before. Um, But last June, I actually watched it for the first time. Uh, But what I particularly enjoyed about the movie and also was saddened by Um, was the love story between Forrest and his childhood friend, Jenny. And what you see from the very beginning is Forrest's love uh, for Jenny, even as she denies that she might have the same feelings for him. And what's sad is that you can see Jenny looking for satisfaction and love in many different places, but it never works out. And there are times in the movie where she's at the end of herself. And you know who's there every time? It's Forrest Gump. Time and time again, through all their trials, Forrest Gump never leaves her or gives up on her. It isn't until that she realizes when she's about to die that it's only Forrest who will still take her in. Even on the path towards death, Forrest still desires to help her, to love her, to be with her at her deathbed. And the thing is, this is Forrest's character. He does this with other characters in the movie, too. He is with them in their suffering. As we look at this psalm together, the Israelites' testimonies have to challenge us. The Israelites sing praises to God for him being on their side. It's not just an intellectual truth to them, right? They aren't just moving their lips to the lyrics on the screen. Remember, they're on a road trip to Jerusalem. There's no screens they actually look at. These lyrics are etched into their hearts. It's on repeat. They They take several trips to Jerusalem, so they know these songs by heart. They are replaying in their mind this thing that God has done for them in the past. They're emotionally invested. Do we do the same when we sing about God? Do we have on repeat the biblical story that God truly is on our side? And if not, why don't we? Why don't we do that? Or maybe, You're telling me, you're saying, Jason, we actually have to back up here. It's not, can we sing that, uh, should we sing that God is on our side, but actually, can we? Is God really on my side? Should I even be singing that? You know, because maybe in your life, it's hard for you to believe that. Eugene Peterson wrote a great chapter on this psalm in his commentary, uh, and he says something about this. Uh, He says this. Don't hesitate to put this psalm under the searchlight of your unbelief. The reasons many of us do not ardently believe in the gospel is that we have never given it a rigorous testing, thrown our hard questions at it, or faced it with our most prickly doubts. You see what Eugene Peterson is saying is that the reason why we don't see God on our side is that we're so busy trying to get other things or other people on our side rather than asking why God even wants to be on our side. We're so busy trying to look worthy because if we're afraid if we don't, we're going to be picked last. We're not even have a team at all. Now I get, you know, life's hard, so I get it. For me it's hard to not put confidence in my financial situation, how many friends I have, my reputation whether I'm married or not, whether I have kids at the right time, or how I look. These are all things that the world says you need in order to be a confident person. But I think the beautiful thing about the movie Forrest Gump is that when you you witness through Jenny what we all do as humans. When she is suffering, when she's going through a tough time, instead of seeing Forrest, the one who was there all along, She runs off somewhere else, thinking that will make things better for her. And what she ends up finding are places and people that require her to be something in order to be loved. And what Forrest offers is love first. And through that love, we can actually see in the movie that she starts to heal. So this psalm challenges us to think in the gospel way. How we gain confidence in this life is by actually traveling the road, of realizing that we cannot actually have confidence by ourselves in this life, we can't be confident because we're finite and broken people. To cover the, that up in any way prevents us from seeing that seeing that God is on our side. So what that means is that we're traveling when we're traveling that road on uh, of hardship and suffering, we must look for God. Look for God. Let's not get off the road too early or to run off somewhere else too early. As a church, as a collective body, this is how we operate. We stake our existence, our lives, on the lone fact that God is on our side. Now, if you're here and you don't consider yourself a Christian, um, I want to thank you for being here. Hopefully this church uh, is a safe place to do what Eugene Peterson is talking about where you can ask rigorous questions, you can uh, bring your doubts, hopefully this church is a safe place to do that. But I also wanna offer some other encouragement as well. Um, Based on this psalm, there is good news with the Christian God. He doesn't want us to first build up your resume to be in his family. He doesn't require you to be a confident person to show him that you can conquer anything in life to be in his family. What he offers is, is himself being on your side and you on his side. Every Christian here with all our imperfections, our past, even our future mistakes, are in God's family because we recognize their inability to save ourselves. God's family is full of people who recognize their need for God to be on their side. All of us have dignity and are uniquely made But there's also another reality. We're also finite and broken people. We need saving, and only God can do that. And this God wants to do that. He wants to be on your side. So as we come to our second and third points, I want us to see them in relation to our first point. So our first point was God is on our side. Um, And from there, these next two things, I hope, uh, would find their place. Um, So the second thing I want us to see is that we're on each other's side. Uh, So look with me again at verse 1. It says, let Israel now say, let Israel now say. So you see this song is actually a corporate song. Uh, They're not primarily individual or sung in private. Uh, With this song, God shows that he has married himself to a group of people, not just the individual. And I think this is a vital thing to not miss. Uh, John, last week, he talked a little bit about this uh, with the importance of going to Sunday worship. Um, But here we're not talking about just Sunday worship. Um, These Israelites are actually doing life together, right? They're on a road trip to Jerusalem, and they probably do this several times a year, right? It's like going on the annual church retreat that we do every year. We do things together as a church. We sing things together as a church. You see, developing confidence in God is actually a group project. It's not an individual assignment. As the Israelites did life and sing this song together, we must also travel our own life journeys together, encouraging each other along the way. Confidence is possible in this life because, yes, God is on our side, but also because he has put each of us on each other's side. So having songs uh, that we can sing together solidifies this togetherness, right? Uh, Songs help draw people closer. And the more that they draw people closer, the more powerful they actually become. Um, If you've been to a European soccer game, uh, you've probably experienced that firsthand. Um, In many parts of the world, being a fan of a team is like a religion. Um, And when you love something that much, you can't help but sing. And soccer fans do that a lot. Um, They sing songs. They chant things together. And if it's a popular uh, team, they actually are singing throughout the whole game as their team plays. And what I find interesting about chants that some teams have is that they actually revolve around past events in the team's history. Maybe it's a song about a time that they had uh, a game against a rival, or maybe a championship from a long time ago where they won one. Um, or, it can be, or it can be about a time that where they had their backs against the wall, and they pulled through. What's interesting about these songs is that the players from that time are no longer there. The fans that are singing it weren't even there as well. And yet, the song was passed down through generations of fans who have fallen in love with the team. This song unifies them. It connects them to their history, the sports family that is spread across time and space. And most importantly, helps them carry on no matter what the score is because they can sing about a time way, way, way back when that they were able to pull through, even though their backs were against the wall. So as God's people in the 21st century, this is actually how we can relate to those Israelites. Um, We don't know the exact circumstances of David's psalm, um, but it's been canonized for the building up of confidence for God's people for generations to come. Psalm 124 is actually our story. It's our song too. Um, so as a church, it's good for us to stay connected to this song and the rest of our history as God's people. It builds our confidence to see God showing himself to be on the side of his people uh, long ago. But it's also good for us as a church today to sing together new songs about God now spend to got time together now right we have cgs we we have the annual church retreat we do things together it's good to do that now to do life together so we gain confidence when we see that god has put each of us on each other's side as we come to our third and final point uh we'll see that 21st century christians not only can be encouraged by a song about God from the past, but we can also sing about how God continues to be on our side because Jesus is on our side. You see, the Israelites knew back then that God was on their side. Uh, They sang about it, and we can too. But as a church, we can actually sing much louder. We can sing much prouder uh, because we have Jesus on our side. Um, If you look with me at verse 8, the last verse, uh, it shows us how God involves himself with his people. Um, So it says this: Our help is in the name of the Lord, who who made heaven and earth. While this is a song about what God about what God did in a particular moment in the past, it ends with a foretaste of what God will do in the future. This verse combines two truths about God. The first is shown in His name. It mentions the personal name of God, Yahweh. When Israelites would hear this name, they would be reminded about its meaning. It wasn't just the name. It actually communicated a characteristic about God, that he is with them and present with them forever. And then you see that personal name, Yahweh, attached to a second truth. So in the second half of verse 8, you see it says this, the one who made heaven and earth. So with these two truths, we actually have the Christian God. The one who authors the universe has decided to involve himself with the ordinary life of humans. Even with our minimal influence and many troubles, comparatively to him, he chooses to be with us. Now, do you understand the significance of this truth, the the combination of these two truths together? That someone so big, so, so big, the size to be so small to be with you. If you don't believe that God cares about his people this deeply, we only have to look to Jesus. Uh, we see these two truths exemplified in Jesus. The creator God incarnating himself to save people from our sins and troubles. Uh, so Psalm 24 becomes a template of what Jesus will do, what he will experience. Uh, it says when when Jesus faced hostility when people uh, rose up against him uh, when he was going to be swallowed up when he saw the flood and raging waters he stood firm he was confident and he did it because he was the God who promised to be on our side and he was able to do it because he was the God of the universe in Jesus God's people have his presence and protection throughout their lives so the title of this sermon is Confidence. Um, how as God's people do we gain confidence? And as I said earlier that Psalm 124 would take us on a counterintuitive path. Um, the path isn't to become a strong people. It's not to become a well-equipped people. It's not anything that we typically would think about when it comes to gaining confidence. If these things were the path, we probably would have, actually I know for a fact we would have failed a long time ago. Rather, the past is having confidence in Jesus because he is on our side. So let me uh, just tell you something that I think exemplifies this, uh, something that has stuck with me through the years. Um, some of you know that I've known Pastor John for quite a long time, even, though, uh, even before our days at Restoration. Um, I remember this time that he told me he, he re- when he realized, uh, when he was parenting his kids, something that he learned. Um, and what he learned has, ha- uh, what he learned has ha- helped me uh, learn how to see Jesus in this way, to see that he is on my side. You see, often children are afraid of the dark uh, when they are trying to sleep. And as parents, we do a range of things, right? Uh, sometimes we tell them that there's nothing to worry about or be scared about. Essentially, we just tell them about the dark and we tell them that, hey, actually, you can maybe overcome this fear. Or sometimes we give them their favorite stuffed animal or blanket. Essentially, that's like equipping them for, them for the battle with the dark. Or sometimes we avo- help them avoid the battle altogether by giving them a nightlight. Now, none of these things are like bad. It's, they're helpful tools in, in fighting the fear of the dark. But what John told me he realized was that his kids actually needed something more. What they needed was him. If he was there, they could sleep in the dark. Knowing that he was nearby enabled them to sleep. You see, the the dark is scary for kids. The fears are real, right? Fears are relative. But what they needed in in that fear was to know that John could say, I'm here with you in the dark. So whether you're afraid of the dark or something else, right? We're all afraid of something. God's people can look to Jesus because at the very core, we have something that every human needs to be confident. In Jesus, we have someone who provides a never-ending presence and protection in life's darkness. And as God's people, it's good for us to sing to remind us about that. So I encourage you to look at Psalm 124, not just today, but maybe this week, to meditate on that, how God is on your side, that Jesus is on our side, And he asks us to see him on our side as we traverse into the dark paths of life. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your presence. Um, Thank you for this psalm where you teach us that even when our backs are against the wall, when we don't see another path, that you are on our side. You will save us. I pray that as God's people, we don't look to other things to find our ultimate confidence in them uh, because they will ultimately fail us. So pray that we stake our existence, our lives, upon the simple fact that you are on our side and also you have put all of us on each other's side. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.